All right, well, welcome. Welcome to 88 Campus, Friendswood Campus, Alvin Campus, Webster Campus, and uh, those of you joining us on our online campus as well. So good to be worshiping together on this rainy Sunday morning. Um, no matter where you are, we welcome you today. And uh, just want to start by saying I love you guys. I love you guys. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for being a part of this church family. Uh, as we begin our Christmas series today, I want to take you back in time to that very first Christmas when the world was indeed waiting. I guess if we have something in common with that first Christmas is that in 2020, through this pandemic, we've been in a season of waiting, waiting to take that trip, waiting on the turnaround from God to come, waiting for an answer to the virus, waiting on restrictions to be lifted, waiting on God to show up and turn our bad situation to the promise that he made to us that all things would work together for good. Waiting, and this one has been heartbreaking, to see loved ones. I know some of you are there right now. I know one uh, elderly lady at our church who's been by herself the entire time, and she's watching right now. But my heart has been waiting for our church family to return to God's house as we did in the past. We are at about 36% in attendance of what we were at the same time last year, which uh, some pastors are very depressed about that. I'm just glad somebody's here. Amen? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I do look forward to the day when we can meet like we used to with handshakes and hugs and high fives, and I'm not even a hugger really, but I have become one in the pandemic. I feel my heart yearning for that. And so when this is over, Jane and I are going to make our way around to all of our campuses. We are going to hug every single person in attendance. We'll give you a warning. So if if you don't want to hug us, you can just uh, not come that Sunday, but we're going to, we're going to do that. But we've been waiting for a while, but our time of waiting does not compare to the waiting that was taking place that very first Christmas. Let me give you some background as we begin this series today. The Bible is divided into two major sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is all about the Messiah who would come someday, who would fulfill all the law and all of the prophecies. The New Testament is all about his arrival, his ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection his winning of our souls for salvation through what he did for us. It's the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. And also, there are some other prophecies about his second coming. There is a 400-year span of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. For 400 years, God was silent. There was no prophets. There was no new prophecies. There was no promised Messiah. The prophecies had been spoken. They had been written down, but they were unfulfilled, and God was silent. I just wanted you to feel that. God was silent, and the people were waiting and waiting. 
Here's a little fun fact for you that I may have told you before, but many Bibles, my, my study Bible does not include this page, but many Bibles, I brought this one from home today, many Bibles include a blank page between the Old Testament and the New Testament to represent that 400 years of silence. And today, what we're doing is we are turning that page from the Old Testament over to the New Testament. We are going past that 400 years of silence. And the reason that we're turning this page is because God is about to speak in the New Testament for the first time in 400 years. But it's not what you would expect. You would think that since the Old Testament was all about the Messiah coming, that the New Testament, the very first word from God would be about the Messiah, would be about Jesus, but you turn the page and it's about Jesus's cousin, John, 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 John the Baptist. And in fact, John actually shows up rather abruptly in the Christmas story in John chapter one. John chapter one is my favorite rendition of the Christmas story. It doesn't say Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, manger, all that, but it says very poetic in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God in the beginning and through his, uh, nothing was created but through him, through him all things were created and on and on, just very poetic and into this very poetic language about Jesus coming to earth right in the middle of what is a beautiful reading comes this. This is John chapter 1 verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, still talking about Jesus in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And it really feels out of place. In fact, I'm going to read this passage on Christmas Eve, and I'm leaving the part about John out. I'm, I'm covering it today, so it's okay. But I'm just saying, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like the Christmas story. And as I said, you would expect to turn the page, the blank page, and get to the New Testament, and it would be Jesus, Jesus. And you would hear God speak about him first, but then there's John. It's like your cousin showing up at your wedding and getting engaged on the microphone in front of your entire reception. It just feels sort of out of place. And here's John, Jesus' cousin, showing up right in the Christmas story. Uh, by the way, John was six months older or so, six months older than Jesus, Jesus in human form. And uh, he, became, he grew up and became this wild man preacher who preached about 20 miles east of Jerusalem at the Jordan River. He wore camel skins, which was not in style. He ate locusts, which was not normal. He yelled his sermons, which was not welcomed by many people. But John's ministry was a wake-up call for the coming of the Messiah, for Jesus. And John knew his place, as stated in John chapter 1, now down to verse 8. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So John is the one who very famously said once upon a time, he must increase, I must decrease. So he knew his place. He knew his role. He knew what job he was there to do. And his job was to preach repentance to all the people. And that's what he did 24-7 all the time. He had one sermon. It was called Repent. Every now and then he would do a series of sermons. It was called Repent. And sermon one was repent, and the first point was repent. And if you're taking notes, the second point was repent and repent. It was all about repentance, repentance, repentance. And if you don't know, repentance means to do a 180. It means, and, and we all have to repent to follow Jesus. Did you know that? 
We all have to repent to follow Jesus because before we follow him, we're following something else. And the Bible calls us away from that something else to him. So we turn away from that something else. We do a 180 and we turn toward Jesus. And John came preaching repentance, preparing the people to get ready. They were getting ready for Jesus to come. But the point here is, Jesus' birth was preceded by John's birth. Jesus' earthly ministry was preceded by John's ministry. But, sermon plot twist now, the person that we're going to focus on today is not John. Kind of felt like John, didn't it? It's not going to be John. It's going to be John's dad. The sermon series is Believe, the journey from doubt to belief. And John's dad, Zachariah, is the one who made that trip. From doubt to belief. And his story is found in Luke chapter 1. So let's read a few of these verses, hopefully learn from his situation. Uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So good people. Good people, not perfect people. I don't think that's what this means, but good people. Much like the, a lot of the folks in our church are just good, good people. But no one in New Hope would claim to be perfect. Am I right about that? We would not claim to be perfect, but we've got a lot of good people who just get up every day and try to keep in step with God's spirit, much like we talked about in the last series. We don't always do so perfectly. Amen to that. But our hearts, our hearts are in it for God, even if we mess it up at times. Verse 7. But they, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both how old? Very old, okay? Don't exactly know what that means, but they were very old. And so very old with no children, and back in the day, that was, that was a big deal. Um, Back in the day, in a Jewish family, children were everything. That was seen as God's blessing. If you did not have children, God didn't love you for some reason, and so... People really wanted to have children. It meant everything to them. But here's the main player in our story and his wife, blameless, as we read in the text, blameless but not blessed with a child. And uh, maybe, maybe you can identify. You've tried to do all that God has asked you to do, but there's something that is on your heart that has not happened yet. You wanted the promotion, you haven't gotten it. You're still single and you would like to be married or you're childless or you're jobless or some other blessing that you have hoped and prayed for. It is just not there. Maybe you feel today blameless but not blessed. Verse 8. Once when Zacharias' division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So more background here. There were about 8,000 priests in the land at that time. They were divided into 24 divisions twice a year for a week at a time. Each division would go to Jerusalem and would serve in the temple. So if my math is correct, there are about 300 priests serving in the temple on duty all the time. Uh, When they arrived on the scene... They would first cast lots to see which priest would do what job or would have what role. And then they trained in that role for 
a time period and then or got retrained because it had been at least six months since they had done it before if they had done it before and uh, perhaps the highest honor was to burn the incense because you got to go and we don't know for sure you got to go either into the Holy of Holies or just outside of the Holy of Holies. And I say the reason we don't know for sure is because uh, in some verses it makes it feel like the, the table of incense was in the Holy of Holies. Other verses make it seem like it was just outside. So we don't know for sure if he got it to go all the way in, but he was in where not a lot of people got to go. And for a priest, this was like the grand prize when they were casting lots, to get to go as close to what they felt like was God's direct presence at that time. And so they cast the lots to see who would do what job. The lot fell to Zechariah to burn the incense, and boom, it was like he won the priest lottery. And then verse 10, it's showtime. And when the time came for the burning of incense, uh, all the assembled worshipers were doing what? Praying outside. So this is a big deal. Everybody's outside worshiping, and then they're, they're praying now. But they're on the outside because they can't go on the inside like Zachariah can. So he's inside. That's why I'm saying this is a big deal, big moment. And, and, and it's a holy moment. He's, he's either in or as close to the holiest place known to man at that time, and I've told you this before, but it's been a while, Jewish people still gather as close as they can get to that spot to this day. Um, here's the picture. This is as close as they can get. This is the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, and Jewish folks show up there all the time, every day, no matter when you go, you're probably going to see some folks there praying at the wall, and here's why. This wall ends about, you know, up here somewhere on top of the wall. This is the retaining wall around Temple Mount. Uh, the, 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 the ground levels all the way up here then on Temple Mount, 36 or so acres on the top. That's where the temple once was. And if you've seen pictures of Jerusalem, then you've seen the gold dome. That's not the temple. That's a mosque that was built practically on the spot where the temple used to be. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Muslims now control the top. This is as close as a Jewish person can get to the temple and to the Holy of Holies nowadays. And so they show up there all the time, praying, praying, as close to what they feel like is God's presence as they can possibly get. And every time we go to Israel, we go here and we say prayers and people can even put things in the wall, prayer requests and all that. But we go away from there, and this happens to me every time, and I thank God that you and I don't have to fly around the world and pray next to a wall or try to get as close to the Holy of Holies as we can because Jesus tore the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from common people, and he allowed us to come into the presence of God. When he took away our sins on the cross, he granted us full access to God. That's why Hebrews 4.16 says, you and I, Christ followers, can come into the throne room of God boldly and with confidence because of what Jesus did for us. That's good news, isn't it? So even though we've turned the page from the Old Testament over to the New Testament, Jesus hasn't torn the veil yet. So again, this is a big deal, big deal for Zechariah to be where he is. And then boom, again, verse 11. 
Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So don't read ahead. If you're reading along, don't read ahead. Uh, But answer me this question. If an angel unexpectedly shows up right in front of you, are you calm and happy or are you a little freaked out and afraid? So calm and happy would be letter A, choice A. Uh, Freaked out and afraid would be B. How many of you choose A? How many of you choose B? B, okay, B. That's That's Honestly, I would like to think that I would choose letter A. Like it would be like, oh, this is so special. You know, and I'm so happy and I'm calm and, and, and happy about this occasion. But I know myself now that I have lived a few years on this earth. And when I hear a noise in the middle of the night now, I mean, you talk to me during the day and say, what would you do if somebody broke into your house in the middle of the night? I would give you this braggadocious answer, you know, like I would take without going into details, you know, Second Amendment. And we would take care of business and then I would go back to bed because that's how I roll. I'm a man. But I know myself well enough. I've been laying in bed and I've heard a noise in another part of the house that has startled me. And this happens to me. Instead of me being calm and cool, this happens to me. My heart goes boom. And it like skips a beat. And then when it comes back, it's boom, 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 boom. And I can feel it all over my body and I get a little paralyzed. Anybody else? Am I telling too much about how wimpy I really am in real life. And so even though I would like to think I would be, you know, calm and cool and happy about the situation, I would probably be freaked out and afraid like Zechariah. Here he is, verse 12. When Zechariah saw the angel, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Been there, done that. Now, I don't blame him. Do you blame him? Okay, all in favor of not blaming uh, Zechariah and giving him a break, say amen. Okay, now... Continuing in the text, remember, God has been silent for 400 years. 400 years. Nothing, not a word from God. 400 years have passed. The streak ends now, verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. So I'm going to cut to the chase a little bit here because we've got to move along. Zechariah had been praying for a child. We didn't know that, but the angel tells us that. Um, if you read on, you're going to see that the angel used prophetic language to tell the priest, a priest, who knew prophecy what was about to happen. And Zechariah doubted God. He doubted. 400 years of silence, God speaks through his angel Gabriel. And the very first person that God speaks to after 400 years doubts him. What, what, what can we learn from a doubtful priest today? Let me give you three observations if you are taking notes. Uh, the first one is this. You can be busy for God but not receptive to his word. You can be busy for God, but not receptive to his word. All, the, all of the priests in the temple were busy. It was a major operation. There was, as I said, 8,000 staff members on rotation, working in rotation. When they got to the temple, it was game on. In fact, if you look at the biblical descriptions of the temple and the furnishings, because it listed all in the Bible, 
if you look at the furnishings in the temple, you're going to see that there's something missing that is very obvious in the room that we are all in right now at all of our campuses. They had no chairs at the temple. And the reason that they had no chairs is because the priests were so busy that they, they didn't have time to sit down. So here's Zechariah, busy, busy, busy for God. God shows up at his work while he's busy for God. And Zechariah does not receive the word from God. I, I, think, I think that there are times when we can be so busy that we're not receptive to God's word. We're so busy. I got a lot to do today. I'm going to bypass this today. I'm going to go on my way and do my thing. I'm reminded of this story in a little bit later in Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> Let me fast forward just for the moment. Fast forward from this story. Uh, the story of Mary and Martha, friends of Jesus, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. They were siblings living in the same home. Uh, Jesus stops by their house. He's going to eat with them. But what happens next? Mary is seated on the floor in front of Jesus, listening to Jesus talk. Martha is busy making preparations for the meal and getting angrier and angrier at her sister for not helping. Luke chapter 10, verse 40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, don't you even care that my sister is sitting there on the floor and she's left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Okay, so two sisters, same house, same Jesus. One sister has chosen to listen. The other sister, get this, has chosen to be busy for Jesus. One is listening to Jesus, one is busy for Jesus. And I'm just going to say, it is true. If Jesus is going to stay for a meal, somebody has to prepare the meal. How many of you on board with that? Somebody's got somebody's to do something, right? And that would be me if I was like, are you Mary or are you Martha? I am Martha. I'm Martha, okay? How many Marthas we have in church today? Any Marthas? Somebody's got to do it. I'm going to get it done, okay? But according to Jesus, and he's speaking to all of us who would be more like Martha, there's always time to slow down and to do the right thing. In this case, to listen to his words. Verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. One thing's needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. It's a good word for pastors, but it's a good word for, you know, any staff members at a church. It's a good word for volunteers at a church. It's a good word for all Christ followers who are trying hard to walk by God's spirit, as we said in the last series. There's always something else to do for the Lord. Like if you're working 40 hours, doing your job, there's always going to be somebody to reach out to, somebody to that needs prayer, somebody that needs to be ministered to, somebody that, that you need to take something. There's always something else, some other need if you're doing ministry. But the deal here is, and I think the temptation for all of us, if we're following hard after God, the temptation is to be busy for Jesus but not take time to slow down and to listen to his word. That's the temptation. And honestly, according to Jesus, all of our work, the work that I'm doing right now, someday it's going to cease. 
the work that you do every single day. Someday it's going to cease. But let me tell you something that doesn't cease. That is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? So Jesus said, Mary made the right choice, which means listening to God and developing a relationship with him and getting into his word. That, my friends, is a choice. Zechariah was about as close to the direct presence of God as one could get back in the day, but he was not receptive. He, he doubted. Back to Luke chapter 1 now <clears throat> in Zechariah's story. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife, my wife is well along with years. And, and uh, so you're getting a direct message from God and Still, you're wondering, if, how can I be sure that what God is telling me is, is going to happen? How can I be sure? So the angel pulls out his identification card. <clears throat> the angel said to him, dude, I'm Gabriel. Okay, I'm going to take a couple liberties here with the text. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I don't know if he meant this. But maybe it's implied, you think you're in the presence of God when you're in a temple made out of stone. You think you're close to God. Five minutes ago, I was talking to God. He was telling me what to say to you. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. It's amazing to me that a guy who was working long, hard days in the temple doubted God's word for him. But listen to me, I know we've all got busy lives. We're all busy. And the pandemic for some of us has made us busier. I still can't figure it out. But I'm busier than I was before the pandemic. Everything just seems to take longer. Uh, you got to figure things out as you go. Uh, and maybe that's the way it's been for you. You're busier now than ever. But ultimately... According to Jesus, listening to, receiving, reading God's word is a choice. And I'm just going to tell you, church family, don't let busyness keep you from hearing God. Amen? Number two, you can know about not know. You can know about not know. Let me explain that. <clears throat> Here we have a priest whose job it was to know the scripture. Priests knew the law. <clears throat> The law would be considered the first five books of the Old Testament. That's the Pentateuch. They knew it like the back of their hands. And they knew the prophecies about the Messiah, over 300 of them in the Old Testament. It was Zachariah's job to know the scriptures and to teach his family and to teach people around him. Amazingly, he would have even known the prophecies about Jesus' forerunner, which meant that he would have known the prophecies about his own son that the angel referred to when he gave him the news. He would have known it from like Isaiah chapter 40, uh, your son, because he, he says your son's going to do these things, and I'll show you that. Uh, it's going to be the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And then over in Malachi, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. So when the angel then shows up to Zechariah in the temple while he's burning incense and says, your son will be named John. And here's what he's going to do. 
He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You would have think that these things would have rung a bell for a priest who knew all the scriptures, but all God got from Zechariah was doubt. Which leads me to say you can know, of, you can know about something but not know it. Does that make sense? You can... You can have head knowledge about something, but not know the same thing's true with the relationship with Jesus Christ. You can know about Jesus, and lots of people know details about Jesus. And by the way, a lot of them will be showing up to join us on Christmas Eve at our campuses and online because they know enough about Jesus to know we're celebrating his birthday, so they'll come and they'll punch their card. But they don't really know him. Pray for those folks, please. Pray for those folks that are going to be joining us, that they would step across the line of faith and that they would believe. That's what the sermon is going to be about. But a lot of people have heard, they know some things, but they don't know Jesus. And maybe this is a good reminder for us who are busy. A word from a busy, knowledgeable priest Don't just go through the motions of faith. Know the author and finisher of your faith personally. I don't even know what that is. There we go. Okay, at our other campuses, that's our keys in the background that were in the foreground for just a moment. Um, So anyway, Zachariah was supposed to know and even teach, but he doubted. And because of that, this happened. Verse 20. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. I don't know if this was a coincidence or not, but after 400 years of silence, when God finally speaks, the first thing he does is to silence someone who was supposed to speak for him, but who doubted his word. Zechariah makes a comeback. We'll see that in a moment. But I think the lesson for us here is Don't ever substitute knowing about Christ for relationship with Christ. Lots of folks are going to miss heaven by this much. They know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And I hope you know him today. Then number three. We all have an excuse. God can't use me because blank. Every single one of us. There's, there's, I'm, I'm not putting anything in the blank here today if you're taking notes. That's for you. Every single one of us has something that we could put in the blank. Zachariah's excuse was this. I'm an old man and my wife, and you can tell that she's coached him. I'm old and my wife is uh, well along in years. Okay. He would have put that in the blank. But all of us have something we could put there. I'm too old for God to use me. I'm too young for God to use me. I'm too busy for God to use me. I've got too much in my past for God to use me. I'm too ashamed for God to use me. I've got too much guilt for God to use me. I'm not worthy for God to use me. I'm afraid for God to use me. I've got my doubts that God can use me. I'm not as good as other people, so I don't think God can use me. I've sinned too much, so God can't use me. Can you imagine some of the heroes of the faith, like Moses, who was a murderer, and David, who was an adulterer, and Peter, who was a denier, and Paul, who was a persecutor, putting something at blanks. I'm not even going to, I'm just taking myself out of the game here. God cannot 
use me. Listen, no matter, no matter what you, and you could put something in the blank. God can't use me because. No matter what you put in the blank here, let me tell you something about the power of God. God's power can overcome any excuse that you have. And you say, well, I've got sin. Hey, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But through Jesus and his blood, every sin that you've ever sinned can be taken away in the sight of God. Oh, yeah, God can use you. Moving down in the story now, verse 57. Nine months later, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, which was the custom on the eighth day, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah, which was the custom back in the day. But his mother spoke up and said, no, his name is to be called John. They said to her, that doesn't make sense. There's nobody in your family who has that name. What are you thinking here? And so they made signs to his father. I guess they thought he couldn't hear or something to, to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And then immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. So here's the deal. The angel, the word from the Lord was, your son's name will be John. Uh, Zechariah, I doubt that this is going to happen. Silence. But then when he had the opportunity, he spoke God's word. Here's here. You want to overcome your doubts? Speak the truth to your doubts. And this right here is the truth. And the moment that he did, the moment he did, he moved from doubt to belief and from silence to praising God. And I'm telling you today, if you're living in doubt today, if you're, up on, if you're hung up on something that happened or something God didn't do or something in his word that's difficult, step into the doubt and speak God's truth. Agree with God and he will replace your doubts with praise. I want to pray with you. If you would, bow your heads, close your eyes, all of our campuses. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are here with us today. I pray that each of us would do as your cousin preached before you started preaching, and that is just to repent of whatever it is that's taking us away from you and your path. I pray that all of us would turn to you completely. And when we do, when we do, and when we speak your truth and believe your truth, I pray, God, that you would replace our doubts with praise. And I pray this in your mighty name. And all the people said, If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.